Hello and Happy New Year. I can say that while it's still January, right? Although we're not officially in season, there was no way we were going to miss out on a chance to meet young people coming up with a host of new climate solutions. We're recording live from the BT Young Scientists and Technology Exhibition and the place is full to bursting with projects, almost half of them relating in some way to the climate crisis. Today's programme will be a whistle-top tour of the exhibition, highlighting some of the projects that drew our attention and speaking to the students behind them. Plus, I'm being joined in studio by some of the young scientists to discuss their work and how they feel about the current state of the world. Let's go. I'm Kai Seno, I'm from Tralee and we go to Mount Hawk in Tralee and I have a big interest in like engineering and maths. So my project is investigating how paste extrusion can be used to make 3D printing more environmentally friendly. So what I did was I made a paste extrusion system for my printer and then I made a paste out of paper that I didn't 3D print it with. When I had this 3D printer at home, 3D printing with plastic, the amount of plastic waste it generates, it was actually really shocking how much waste there was. Mostly now in industry they're used for prototyping. So say you design something and you want to see how it looks, but you don't have to send it off to some company somewhere to make it. You can just make it in you know, the design place. So I decided I'd try and make something that, even if it does go to waste, is biodegradable and it's good for the environment. It would reduce the amount of plastic that would be used and recycled paper. So when companies are prototyping, they could easily use this kind of technology to get those prototypes to be environmentally friendly and be sustainable. Young people, they can come up with ideas that are like wild. They don't have a sense of what can and can't be done, and then you get like really crazy ideas. But then when you start thinking about some of those crazy ideas, they can be done. My name is Angelina O'Neill, Presentation College, Hedford, and my project is making plastic out of fish scales. I wanted to make a plastic alternative that if it ended up in the water, it would be okay. And I also didn't want to use a food source because I don't feel like it's very eco-friendly to use food that other people could be eating for plastic. I saw the amount of plastic pollution in the waters and I wanted to make sure that it could go in the water. And after seeing how much waste the fishing industry has, it was like crazy the amount of fish that's thrown away and like no one eats it. So I decided to use that. So in the end, I used fish scales, which we wouldn't eat them anyway. Once you chemically treat them, you get a substance called cheetosan, and that was like my base for most of these plastics. And as I progressed, I noticed that I could also make them out of algae, so I made a few out of algae as well. So I have like a few thicker ones, and I think that maybe they would be great for keeping your packaging safe and stuff. The thinner, clear ones could be a great option instead of plim film. They're edible and so they won't harm you if you use them on food or anything. And because it's all like treated and stuff, it won't leave any fish taste or anything like that. And so I think that maybe in the future, I don't have a lab or the money, but I think that there could be definitely a company that could build on this. First to join us in studio is a group from Loretto in Kilkenny. Angela, Sinead and Millie. First I'd like to ask Angela a bit about your project. Our project is based around wetlands. So wetlands are carbon sinks, which means that they take carbon from the atmosphere and store it in the ground, which is good for the environment. So we wanted to find a way for farmers to like incorporate wetlands into their farming because a lot of fields are drained to be used for planting crops. So we found that wetland species can produce a biogas, which then can be sold on as fuel. So it's a way for farmers to make money off of their wetlands, as well as helping the environment by storing the carbon. We also found at the end of our experiment that the leftover digestate in the anaerobic digester, which is used to make the biogas, can be used as fertilizer. So farmers now have a way to sell off fuel using renewable energy, as well as a new fertilizer to be used on their farm, which we also proved adds 
many nutrients into the soil like phosphorus, nitrate and potassium. So I'm going to move on to Sinead now. Could you just tell us how important are wetlands? Um, I think wetlands are very important, especially in today's society, seeing as climate change and global warming is such a pressing issue. Wetlands act as a carbon sink, which takes carbon out of the atmosphere. So if we use wetlands more in farming around Ireland, which is a surprise that it hasn't been used, seeing as there is so much agricultural land around Ireland, it would help reduce the carbon emissions for farmers, seeing as there was a quota put out last year that farmers had to reduce their carbon emissions. So moving on to Millie, why is it so important that we look at alternative solutions for fuel? Well, fossil fuels are depleting rapidly in today's world and they also have such a negative impact on the environment. So we need to find a substitute for these as soon as possible. Our project shows an environmentally friendly way to produce a renewable energy source, which is so helpful for the life we're in now. How do you feel about the current state of our planet and the conversation around it? Well, it's concerning that it's gotten this bad and it's up to kind of our generation now to make our difference, to think that we've let it get to this stage and not brought in different kind of plans such as the use of pluticulture is just mad to think of, so it's quite concerning. It's kind of up to the younger generation kind of needs to use their voice more to say that we're going to be the ones that are growing up and living in this world, so we need to kind of be the ones that step up and make a change. We can make a change and we kind of need to start doing that now. I think that there's a lot of conversation around it but not actually a lot of action being done and like I think it's bad that it's been left up to BT Young Scientist projects of secondary school students to be talking about it like really it should actually be action being taken by like the politicians that are here to see the projects and really it should just actually be started to be done. I'm Maeve Collins and my name is Viviana Maisie. Our project is called Turn It Off or Keep It On which is more energy efficient. Our hypothesis is if we keep the heating on at a low temperature it will be more energy efficient than turning it on and off at a high temperature. We found out that it was actually more energy efficient to leave your heating on constantly at a low temperature rather than turning it on and off at a high temperature because it keeps the heat at a stable temperature and the pipes in the system don't have to reheat themselves. At the minute there is an energy crisis and we thought it would be a nice thing to do like, cause to help people conserve energy and maybe even lessen their heating bills. We did an experiment to see how much energy was used and how much it cost. We checked um, two different heating systems to see if it works for all of them and not just one. So we use electrical and gas. I think it was more energy efficient on the electrical system than it was in the gas. I think it's important that people like our age at this competition are listened to because it's us who have to grow up and live in the world in the future and who have to deal with the consequences of our actions that we're doing right now. I'm Kieran and I'm Hugo Reddy. We're in Gonzaga College. So our project is planning on making a portable energy generator. It only weighs 90 grams. It's light, cheap and easy to make. It's fairly effective. We've got more efficient designs, uh, like horizontal ones, but we've gone with the vertical one just because it can catch energy from most directions. It can charge your phone. Uh, main, right now we have an Android because it's USB-C and we have a battery to show that it actually works. There are little lights on it so that you can see that the energy is going through it. There's a little battery pack on the back and an output on the top. There's nothing connected to the output right now, but we plan on connecting it and integrating it into the system so that you can charge your phone when there's no wind and it still works. If you're out camping and you need some charge, very useful. It's very light as well. It can detach at the top and it's like flexible and portable and it's only 90 grams. So in the future we plan on sticking it on a car 
and hopefully getting uh, wind energy off that. We decided to do it because it's fun and I think just the way it works is interesting. We're going to be most affected by this in the future uh, with climate issues. We need to like make independent ways of trying to get the electricity or just power from more efficient resources. Joining us in studio, we have Sarah O'Byrne. Would you like to start by telling us a little bit about your project? So last year I started by making a wooden blade. This is for my more eco-friendly generator and wind turbine. The reason why it's made from wood is fiberglass, which is the regular material for wind turbine blades, cannot be recycled. And millions of tonnes is expected to go into landfill by 2050. So to reduce this amount, I've decided to recreate uh, the wind turbine blade, but made from wood. It lasts the same amount of time and weighs the same, so it's a lot better for the environment. And why is your design different? So this year I've made the generator for my wind turbine. The main difference is that it doesn't have an iron core in it. So instead of it taking a lot of wind energy to get it started up, it just needs a little bit of wind, like two meters per second, to get it started. And it's also made from a lot more homemade materials. Like the stand, even for today, it's, it's made from an old stool. And the hub for the back of it, which makes it rotate, is the same hub that is found on a Fiat Ducato. So wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. Exactly how much energy would your wind turbine generate? Even just by hand cranking it today, it's generated anywhere up to 70 watts in just like a few turns. But it's an 800 watt wind turbine generator. So to put that in context, what would that power? So it's designed basically to run a small home or like a, a small area of homes. It's just to cut down on energy costs, basically. Can you tell us a bit about the impact it could have and the recognition it has already achieved? This has had a huge amount of recognition. I've won an international competition last year called the Ardona Trust Bright Future Prize. This was an amazing opportunity and I'm so grateful for the support that I've had. And I have got funding to make the CNC machine to make my blades. This machine basically is like a 3D printer, but instead of like adding material, it takes it away. So I, I can make the blades the exact same. I've won £10,000 to go towards this, which is incredible. Wow, well done. So where could people use this? Could it be used cheaply in developing countries? Yes, this can definitely be used in developing countries. I plan to sell my blades and sell wind turbine kits. I've already got offers in parts of Nigeria and the Ivory Coast where people are, have the rest of their turbine built. But the hardest part about making your own turbine is the blades. It's really difficult to get all three of them correct and the same, especially when hand carving them. So having a machine to make them and then I can just send them out to them. So this will basically help out a lot. The business you've created, you can make a huge profit. Is that the road that you're planning to take? Uh, definitely not. I want it to be affordable. I want people to be able to generate their own electricity in the home. So I want to make my wind turbines as cheap as possible, but like still making a little bit of profit from it. The first few prototypes, I'll be sending them blades for free, as well as uh, a number of other different prototypes. So then I can monitor them because you know, it's all about testing and making sure that these are very sturdy and that they'll actually work. So how do you feel about the way we generate energy now? Is there cause for more hope? I think that there is a lot more hope. There's a lot of solar panels nowadays, but I think that, especially in rural areas, all across like the countryside, loads of people could have their own small wind turbines. So how do you think young people listening could have a role to play in inventing solutions to the climate crisis? I think young people especially have such a huge role to play. Like it's all about inventing the new future. 
there's a lot of problems in the world and even here today in the RDS, so many people have come up with so many new ideas and projects. I find it really interesting just to have a look around and see all the amazing potential. My name is Luke McKeveney. I am Michael Harty. We're from the Abbey Grammar School in Newry. So our project is about measuring methane release from melting permafrost using satellite data. We used an application called the EO browser that's available online for free for anybody to use. It gives you access to multiple different satellites and the satellite we found particularly useful was a satellite called Sentinel-5P. It allows us to detect different gases in the atmosphere. So the one we focused on was methane and then looking at permafrost areas, permafrost being soil that has remained continuously frozen for over two years. So basically what we've found is that the permafrost is melting because it's releasing this methane that's been trapped under it for thousands of years. As time went on, not only did the methane increase, but the actual rate of increase from the methane was increasing, meaning that it's accelerating how much methane is being released from this, causing further global warming. Whenever it is released into the atmosphere, it blocks the sun's UV radiation from reflecting back out to the atmosphere, and that causes the Earth to then heat up. Greenhouse gases have always existed within the atmosphere since the beginning of the Earth. Without them, heat wouldn't be reflected back on the Earth, and the Earth would be too cold to support life. But it's only been in recent years, the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere has skyrocketed. My name is Owen, yeah. And I'm Ella. We're from Mary Immaculate Secondary School in the Stumarna, County Clare. Our project is about how much plastic is washed up on shores along the coast. We went to Glenina Pier, Fenor, White Strand, Quilty 1 and Quilty 2, and Bishop's Quarter. We decided to do this project because we have seen how bad the plastic is on beaches and there is a lot of uh, projects done on microplastic from our school and we wanted to do it on a different area of that. There's around 20 kilos and just from six beaches within a 100 metre radius over two months. We found rope, hard plastic, bits of pieces from like chocolate bars and then we found bottle caps and bottles and vape cartridges. Uh, we saw most of rope, I'd say. There was a lot more than we expected to find. We're on the west, so it's not near Europe. It's genuinely coming from us. We weren't expecting such drastic like numbers. We'd like to bring more awareness to the problem. I'm Julian Lewandowski. I'm Sebastian Galvin. And I'm Evan Wynn, and we all go to Sutton Park School in Dublin. We've designed a solution to coastal flooding using natural water pressure. So yeah. as the tide or water level rises by the sea, it uses the pressure from the water rising to lift a buoyant wall up, protecting the coastline from flooding. Our original inspiration for this project was uh, an area in Dublin called Clontarf, where the residents in the past have disputed multiple proposals for the construction of proper flood defences due to its unesthetic looks and high costs. So we wanted to create a solution that listens to the opinions of the residents in the area. So we've created a retractable flood wall so that the sea view of the residents wouldn't be blocked at most times, but so that the area would still be protected from flooding. So how easy would it be to implement this into coastal areas? Well, the pieces for the wall can be designed, manufactured and implemented along any coastline in Ireland. They just need to be put down into the coastline. The wall chamber itself is made of concrete and the wall section is made of a 317L steel. And it's actually hollow. And we have aluminium ribs and struts inside using a hexagonal structure and they will be joined to the steel using adhesive bonding. So essentially, the concept is similar to how a boat floats on water. So what's coming next for your project? So we want to continue working on the project to make it more production ready. We've been contacted by the Minister for the Office of Public Works 
He wants to bring us in and talk to his senior engineers so he can look at the proposal and the possibility of using it in coastlines around Ireland. We're patent pending at the moment and we'd be very excited for this to be implemented around coastlines around Ireland because the rising sea levels is also a big factor, the main factor. The sea is predicted to rise at a minimum of 0.5 metres by the end of the century. And also, with ever more frequent extreme weather events due to climate change, there's an increased risk of huge floods occurring and storms. So it's very important that we protect our coastlines around Ireland. Joining us in the studio, we have Thien, Sean and Adam. So first, I'd just like to go to Adam and ask, first of all, why heat a shower with compost? Well, I don't know about you, but I love a hot shower outside. So um, we set out to make a, a renewable source of heat. And we did this by using a carbon and nitrogen ratio. To start, we'd like to use wood chip, which is very high in carbon. We got this waste product from Philip Lockton, who said it was going to be dumped. And over 400 million tonnes is dumped in Ireland alone. And we also used grass as the nitrogen, which is always wasted. And instead of dumping, you can just leave on your soil, which will decompose, and then it'll make very rich soil. To start the building process, we just used recycled pallets from our school that we found around. And we put them in a 2.5 by a 1 metre box. And then we filled it with our compost and put a layer of pipe, then another layer of compost and another layer of pipe until all the pipe was run out. And then we had hot water at the end of it. And another thing we're always hearing about is the circular bioeconomy. And our project's in line with that because we're minimising waste, which is sent to landfill or dumped. And we're also replacing energy, which is produced by fossil fuels. And then another thing we're doing is we're making advantage of the compost which is created to improve the fertility of soils. According to EPA Ireland, over 4 million tonnes of wood chip is waste every year and only 14% of that is actually composted when it does good for the environment. And then what we do after the compost is ready is we spread over soil to increase the fertility of plants. Another big problem around the world is desertification, when farms are intensively producing the same crop over and over again using artificial fertilisers. And what that is, it degrades the soil, and what compost does, it gives back that fertility in an organic way without having to use those artificial fertilisers. So I'm going to move to Adam and just ask, do you think young people's ideas are taken seriously? Personally, when we did this project, we noticed that they're not taken seriously enough. When we proposed this idea to some of our teachers, they immediately said that we won't be able to do it because we don't have the capability. And that happens a lot these days with the likes of Greta Thunberg, who is immediately just discarded. But then other young people, like the people in our year, were all behind us, helping us do the project. They believed in us completely. So it's only really older people like adults that doubt young people and their capabilities. How engaged with the issue of the climate crisis do you think people our age are? I think people our age are more engaged than ever before as a lot of people are learning about this on like the news and social media and a lot of people use these platforms to spread the message that the environment is in a lot of danger. We even noticed that as we were doing the project people were asking us why like people in a year and as we said to reduce methane emissions and the other greenhouse gases, they became more interested. And a lot of them even asked us how they could set it up in their home homes. We also saw that a lot of them watch Netflix documentaries about the environment, like such as Seaspiracy, 
and people in our class have even stopped eating tuna because it might contain dolphins. You focus on one solution. What do you think we need to do to change the conversation and get more people to focus on what everyone can do? I think we should change the conversation completely. I think it's important not to go down the rabbit hole of being fear-mongered about the climate crisis. Solutions are needed for people to get involved and to see what they can actually do. I think it's very comforting to see a lot on social media about this. So we can see that people are getting involved, people are starting to take it seriously, so that later down the line we might be able to try and reverse the effects a little bit easier. There's no way one show could do justice to the levels of invention we've seen from across the country at this year's BT Young Scientists and Technology Exhibition. So we're actually going to have a second episode to make sure we cover all of it. Thanks to all the students we spoke with in studio or at their stands, it seems young people's ingenuity knows no bounds. I can't wait to see what they all do next. Evolution was produced by Nikki Coughlin with added assistance from Eva O'Neill and presented by me, Evie Kenny. This is our...